0: Thanks for listening to Shift Your Spirits. I'm Slade Robertson. For 13 years, I've been a professional intuitive, but I try to talk about spirituality with fewer hearts and flowers than most new age blather. I also mentor emerging intuitives, psychics, and healers in a program called Automatic Intuition. It is Friday, November 15th, 2019, as I record this introduction. This week, I'm sharing some points to keep in mind when you are attempting to scan someone psychically especially if you're learning or developing this skill. Expectations of what you think you're supposed to be doing are probably not helping. That's coming up in just a few minutes. As always, there's an oracle segment at the end of the show. Be thinking about a question or a concern you have. Hold it in your mind, and I'll come back on after the final links and credits and leave you with that extra message. Now when you go to sladerobersoncom slash readings, In addition to booking a reading with me, you can also connect with other intuitives, psychics, mediums, energy healers, and astrologers from the Automatic Intuition community. This week, in case you don't already know her, I'd like to introduce you to Melanie Oliver. I met Melanie through the Automatic Intuition program when she applied to work with me. I was immediately struck by her elegantly gentle energy She has a quality of voice that makes me want to hang on her every word, and all this comes through over Skype. You've hopefully heard her appearance on this show in August of 2017, speaking about one of her specialties, healing a broken heart. She focuses on helping women heal deep emotional wounds and opening their hearts to having the life and relationship they truly desire. If you'd like to find out more about Melanie Oliver and the services she offers, please check out her site at Melanie-Oliver.com. That's M-E-L-A-N-Y-Oliver.com. You can find the direct link to Melanie's Soul Readings page, as well as the other featured practitioners at SladeRobertson.com slash readings. In personal news, I've started wearing Invisaligners. Technically, Sure, smile. You know, the invisible plastic trays that are the alternative to metal braces. I wore metal braces when I was a teenager. Um, I think I developed a little bit of anorexia during that time. It was so painful. I have a tendency to develop mouth ulcers very easily. Um, and I recently described to, to someone. I remember to this day, wearing metal braces is kind of like having every bone in your head hurt. And um, over the years, my teeth have become crooked again, especially on the bottom. Which really annoys me when I see myself on video because I have this one tooth that um, sticks out more than others. And it looks like I have one tooth. (laughs) Like It looks like I'm a toothless hillbilly with one remaining tooth on the bottom. And it's actually just a tooth that's um, really pressed out of place. So anyway... Um, Not only for vanity reasons, but also for reasons that as you age, it gets increasingly crowded and crooked, and it's, it's hard to clean my teeth, it's hard to whiten my teeth, I have to floss constantly after everything that I eat, and it's one of those things that... I've just wanted to have done for a really long time and that I decided to do when I turned 50. It turns out that I paid off my car payment um, the same month that I turned 50. And so I had that extra money to play with and I thought, you know what, I'm going to invest it and um, go uh, check out getting invisible aligners if I can, if I qualify for them. Some people can't wear them depending on their issue. So it just so happened that I went to a family gathering and one of my cousins um, had invisible liners and braces, a, a kind of a hybrid combo on, and I told her, oh, you know, I'm looking to to wear those again myself. And it just so happened that she works for an orthodontist now, um, right around the corner from my tea shop, Wildflower Apothecary Tea Shop, where I go every afternoon. Most of the dentists and doctors and all that kind of stuff are a completely different part of the city, you know, where you have to drive out to strip mall, hell, and, you know, this is like right downtown in an area that I frequent anyway, so... I was um, really excited. Uh, it's in an old building and they have all this great sort of craftsman architecture and furnishings in there. And it's like, um, yeah, it's a really cool orthodontist. So, anyway, I went in there. I did qualify f- to get invisible aligners. It takes, you know, about a month for them to image them and to mold them and to make them and actually um, deliver the trays to you and have them fitted. So, this week, um, on the full moon, actually, on 11-11, almost the full moon, I started wearing them. And the first day, I thought I was going to go insane. You know how it is when you have some, like if you've worn something like a, t- a tooth whitener or you've done like a mouth guard at night or something like that, you know that there is this point at which your brain is just counting the moments until you can take it out. And they don't hurt. They're not painful at all. But they put these little anchor points on on your teeth that they make from white tooth composite. It's the same material that they fill your tooth with. So it's like having... If you think about a rock climbing wall, the little things that you grip onto, it's the equivalent of that at a microscopic scale on your teeth. Um, And this is how the aligners fit in and hold onto and anchor and move your teeth in a certain direction. So the first thing they do is they put these little hooks on your teeth, which, you know what, the liners themselves didn't bother me, but the hooks tore my face all to pieces on the inside. Like I said, I develop mouth ulcers really quickly. So of course, you know what happens the minute you have a mouth ulcer on the inside of your lip, then you continue to bite it every time you chew or talk. Um, So I've bit the same part of my mouth now, like, oh, I don't know, half a dozen times a day. Um, Other than that, I was really going insane trying to take them out. Um, I remember when I first started wearing contact lenses when I was 11 years old, it took me like three hours to put my contact lenses in and then another three hours to get them out of my eyes again. Now I can put them on in the dark in the middle of the woods while walking um, you know, in five seconds. Um, and it just so happens that second day when I was like, oh crap, you know, this is really hard to get these things out. It's scary. It feels like you're yanking your whole face out. And, um, I wasn't really sure, you know, I was afraid I was going to break something and, um, like my teeth (laughs) and, uh, I was like, oh my gosh, when is my mind going to just shut this down? Because I remember when you wore metal braces, you know, there's nothing you can do once those things are in there. They're in there forever, you know, for months and months and months. And you just kind of, I don't know, cope with it. And I guess you stop thinking about it at some point. Um, It just so happens that Jeff Peck, my friend and medium, uh, my personal psychic, um, I texted him out of the blue. I don't even know why I texted him, and he said, "Oh my God, I wore those five years ago for eighteen months." And I was like, "No way because I only have to wear mine for nine months. Um, so I called him up and had him you know walk talk me off the ledge, basically. He was like, No, you know, in a week you won't even think about it anymore. And actually, Stevie said, "You know what? I bet in like three days you'll feel totally different about it. So anyway. I do. It took about three days. I'm on my fourth day now and I'm taking them in and out and it's no big deal. And, um, I'm, I'm going to survive because you put, you know, you're paying $5,000 and you're like, Oh crap. What have I just committed myself to? So anyway, I may post my progress photos on Facebook. I've decided like every time I change a tray out, which is about every 10 days or so, um, I'll, I'll take a, try to take the same photograph of my bottom teeth. They're not going to be pretty pictures, but um, it might be cool to like post that so anybody else who's thinking about doing it can kind of live vicariously and contemplate through my progress. Um, and I'll probably at some point wear them while recording. I'm not because I'm just three days into it, so I still have a tiny bit of a lisp, Um, problems with ch words like latch and actually Um, words like that more so than s's and sh's but still enough that i feel a little self-conscious doing this much talking with those in um as that kind of softens up a little bit i may just start to you know wear them while i'm recording In more personal news, um, Stevie and I are approaching three months together, and it's super amazing and mind-blowingly fabulous still. Um, We're very, very much in love, and the logistics of our sex life, however, greatly reminds me of being a teenager again. Um, Not to say that you can't have a sex life as a teenager, but... uh, We both have family living with us in our respective homes. So finding alone time um, doesn't happen really often and it requires us to be pretty creative. It's actually kind of slowed the sex life part of our relationship and allowed us to develop much more, you know, on the emotional side and the intellectual side. We spend a lot of time together and a lot of time with his family um more so than mine because mine's kind of scattered around but um so that's kind of that's kind of good you know for a long-term serious relationship um but in getting creative you know what that boils down to is house sitting for friends out-of-town trips when we can do it. Um, A lot of sneaking, groping, and kissing downstairs while we're supposedly playing pool in the rec room um, or watching TV in our bedrooms, you know, with one foot on the floor, Um, (laughs) trying to be quiet and also being, like, too weirded out by the fact that we're not really technically alone in the house to actually go there. So, um, you know, the crown jewel is mom's out of town home alone which thankfully happens here and there it's happened a few times um we're trying to treat it as a positive and you know romance those circumstances it's definitely not all bad like i said um it it allows us to develop in some areas to not fall into a rut in others or to you know lose the fun part of the newness really quickly at the beginning it does keep things fresh and exciting and the thing is it's always of an event it's special when we get to be alone together anyway the point of this story is not just about that um a ghost sent an emoji to steven from my phone during one of these special events so, another full moon event, and this doesn't feel like Mercury retrograde to me, by the way. This is not, like, accidentally sending something, okay? um, One of his really close friends is away on business, and he's checking in on her house, and she was like, y'all can go hang out over there and, you know, have some alone time if you want, and... um the thing that struck me when we went to her house was it felt like no one lived there. It felt weirdly like it was staged. Like there were, there was furniture there and everything, but it felt there wasn't a lot of impact or presence of his friend. And I know her, she's super sweet. And, um, I've met her several times and, um, felt comfortable being in her home. And, um, you know, we're in there figuring out her Netflix and getting her TV to work and whatever. And, um, I put my phone down on a table in the other room and I purposefully left my phone away from us so that I, you know, wasn't checking my phone or scrolling or texting or anything when I am with him because I don't get a lot of time to just be with him with no one else around. And so, I made a point of making it a phone-free zone. So I left my phone in the other room. And we're hanging out and doing our thing and whatever and he shows me how to get back to the highway. I follow him in my car and you know, I waved to him and and got on the highway to drive back to my house and there's a text message from him saying, "When did you send this text?" And I can't really text because I'm driving and I don't, I'm not a texter and driver. You know, I might glance down and see your message, but I'm definitely not going to try to respond to it in that context. So I get home, I pull in my driveway and I see that the last thing that I sent him was a grimacing face emoji. And I was like okay, well, I don't remember what the context was. So maybe it had something to do with like the text I sent him before, you know, how you send like one or two or three in a row, like an image and then a commentary and then a, oop. And by the way, PS, an emoji on that. And so I kind of thought, oh, it's like a punctuation emoji. I'm one of those people. I'm like a drip, drip, drip texter. And I got out and I looked at the phone first of all, I wondered, like, why is he even asking me about that? And so I looked at the timestamps and this grimacing face emoji was not part of the earlier text message that I had sent him. That grimacing face emoji was sent to him from my phone 30 minutes before we left while it was sitting there in the table on the other room, sitting on the table in the other room. I didn't go near it. I didn't check it. I didn't even check it when I picked it up to drive away. Something sent a grimacing face emoji to Steven in the middle of our sexy time. Which is an awkward face which means eek foot in the mouth nervous (laughs) you know what I mean? So I'm like what the hell does that mean spirits? Maybe they were just being prankstery i thought you guys might enjoy knowing that somebody had posted in the shifter spirits community recently about spirits using technology and i was i remember like kind of wanting to comment on that post whoever it was that left it and i thought you know what that that hasn't really happened to me in a really long time i couldn't think of a good example and then bam that happened Before I forget, I want to say a quick thank you to my newest supporter on Patreon, Zachary Kinzer. Thank you to all of you who continue to pledge your support. It demonstrates that you're enjoying the show and you want it to continue. To find out how you can become a patron, support my time in producing this show, and access extra bonus content, please go to patreon.com slash shiftyourspirits. When I talk about scanning I'm not necessarily talking about the kind of aura scanning where someone stands in front of a white wall and you physically stare at the energy bubble around them and try to detect it either physically or psychically with your eyes open. Maybe Um, when I talk about scanning or when I teach it to clients, I am always talking about distance scanning. First of all, It's simply the one and only way that I know how to do it. It is the most effective way for me to do it as part of my practice because I work with people and do readings with people all over the world. And most of the people that I am mentoring in intuitive development, I also want them to be able to do scanning and use some of these techniques with potential clients no matter where they are. Some people do really prefer to have a physical practice where they see someone in an office or they are reading people in person either from the stage or in a small group setting or in a setting that might resemble something like a therapist's office. I want everyone to be able to do it the way that I do it because if you can do it this way, you can still do it with someone in the room. If a client is physically in front of me, I still close my eyes and envision them on the interior screen of the mind's eye anyway. I also see them at reduced size sometimes or I see them at astronomically large sizes um, in relation to me, um, almost like I'm envisioning myself as a tiny camera that's able to move through a much larger body and see more detail, or I might envision them as much smaller, something that I can hold in my hands like a doll. You can do this distance scanning either just envisioning someone in your mind's eye, if you want to think of it that way. Other people like to envision meeting someone in a particular astral space. I had a client recently who talked about having sort of an astral office space. I have had experiences in the past where I invited surgeons and doctors and healers from the other side to work on me And I would go to this space that I kind of thought of as like a clinic, and it was an astral projection, astral travel um, meditation that I would use to get into that space. So that's not necessarily the most important aspect of what I'm talking about. Um, logging on, connecting with clients, where with you, where you work with them physically, psychically, conceptually, it is kind of its own subject matter. So, if anyone's interested out there in just the whole question of like how do I connect, how do I log in, um, by all means, let me know and and we can do another talk about that. The main point of this talk today about psychic scanning is. I want you to think about the narrative of meeting someone in real life for the first time across a crowded room or across an open space and to notice that there is a similar trajectory or plot, if you will, to meeting someone psychically or observing them in an astral space or at a great distance. So. You know the normal progression. Like if you were in a big empty ballroom and you were standing in the middle of the room, and someone enters the space from the doorway, you're seeing them from far away, and there are certain things that you notice about them at a distance. There are impressions. We have um, expressions about. Um, people's personalities entering a room before they do. Or you may notice that someone's voice precedes them or their character precedes them in some way. Um, Maybe it is the effect that they have on other people. The crowd parts for them before you ever lay eyes on them kind of thing. So there is an impression that you get of someone at a distance conceptually. And if you're scanning them psychically, don't think of them as just boop appearing like right in front of you. Um, imagine them entering from a distance and approaching and notice that there are stages of detail and impressions that you're able to pick up as that person moves closer and closer to you to the point at which they come within close enough range that you then might speak to them talk to whoever is attending them. If there's someone walking with them, you have the option of communicating with that person or entity as well. So basically what I'm trying to get at is your client and their guides are not going to shout across the ballroom. Um, They're going to have a Maybe visual impression that they leave first, an energetic impression that they're giving off or projecting when they first appear, and that is going to progress to the point that you have a more intimate face-to-face conversation. Maybe you even touch them. Maybe you feel some of their energy touching yours. The most important thing to ask is who's around this person, Let's say that you are wanting to pick up on spirits that may be around this person, guides, loved ones that have crossed over, animal spirits... I don't know what what it might be. You might have a really specific intention of the type of information that you want to pick up when you're scanning a person. But this open-ended question, who's around this person? The reason why I want to focus you on this broader question is that I experience over and over again with people that I mentor the mistake that they make of going into specifically I want to talk to this person's relatives who've crossed over. I want to experience mediumship. I even want to experience mediumship with a specific person that they have expressed that they want me to talk to. Now, you might get to the point where you can do that, and you might even be able to do that from day one. But most of us are going to make the mistake of going in for something so specific and having the entire experience attached to this expectation to the point at which we may miss other information that comes to us more easily. So it's kind of like you're so focused. Where are the angels? Why aren't I seeing angels? I don't see angels around this person. Meanwhile, you know, this person's aura is just swirling and flowing and moving and it's full of color. And, you know, that's more of a what's around this person question. But specifically, a who's around this person question, you may be going, Where's their grandmother? I don't see anyone who resembles their grandmother. There may be someone else there, or there may may be some other kind of entity there, or maybe they've got like a spirit animal circling them. Um, That animal and, and how you identify it and what you can tell about it and its behavior could be extremely useful as a reading symbolism. If nothing else, you could come away from that reading with the symbol of this person's um, spirit animal or of just an animal that communicates meaning and symbolism that might be relevant to whatever the client's going through. And it could still answer some of the same questions that might be answered by say, focusing on connecting with a specific person who's crossed over. The thing I've seen about mediums is, now, if you really, really, really want to be a medium, get mediumship training, specifically. It is a specific type of skill, modality, technique, and practice. I am not a medium. I don't ever experience mediumship. I experience all other kinds of things, and thankfully... I started doing readings professionally before the question ever came up for me, why don't I see loved ones who've crossed over? Had I gone in at the very beginning, the very first time I tried to do a reading, and tried to see someone's grandmother who had passed away, I would have failed to do that. And I would have probably taken that as a, oh, I, I don't have the ability to do readings at all. you know, And I might have just completely abandoned the entire practice. So I'm not saying that you can't do any of the things that you want to do, but go in with this broader question so that you leave open the chance that you may be seeing and picking up on something that you never intended or never even imagined that you might see. A second question to ask when that person is still across the room in the screen of the mind, what's around this person? You know, is there something in the aura? Are there symbols swirling around this person? Are there things projected and, you know, hovering in, in the energy field of this person? Are there disturbances? Um, medical intuition is often experienced as symbolism or graphic depictions around certain energy centers in the body or specific organs in the body. That might be a situation where you want to zoom in and make this person gigantic and you be a tiny camera and, you know, go into the body and move through it and, and see if you can see what's going on with them there may be like experiences in chronological time that play out like little movies around the person. You may see them in an environment from their past or you may see them in an environment from their future or in an environment where uh, a time and place where something really specific happened to them, either traumatic or particularly good, something that imprinted on them that is affecting their current situation. I've had more than one mentoring client experience these little symbolic movies featuring their clients, like dream sequences that can be interpreted metaphorically. They go in to scan the person, and what they see is, you know, someone in a boat without a paddle in the middle of a calm sea, you know, or something like that. Um, As far as the mediumship thing, just to put one more kind of pin in that. If mediumship's going to show up for you, it'll show up for you. Let it show up. Be open to it show up, showing up. But don't demand that you have to specifically have a mediumship experience or you don't want to read anything else. Just leave it a little open-ended. A lot of times people go in with something much more simple, like they're just trying to scan the aura or they're just trying to read the um, chakras in the body or something like that, and then... They encounter this entity that is um, full of information and detail, and that the client recognizes. And oftentimes, it's the client that tells you, "Oh my God, that's my aunt Sarah," you know, or whatever it might be. So, I've had a lot of clients come to me after going in for some other type of scanning exercise, come back and do a feedback session, and say, "Oh my God, you know, I I picked up on." family members who crossed over with every single person that I tried to read for who knew I'm a medium mediumship is one of those things that some people feel very shy about reaching for, or they have the expectation like, Oh, that's really hardcore. I could never do that. Um, And sometimes it surprises you and it shows up anyway, and it shows up very easily for the people it shows up for. And then there are people like me and it's like, no, not so much, but I see angels And I know lots of stuff and I hear things. So yeah, you know, you get what you get. So go in with the expectation, what do I get? What do I see? Let go of what you think you're supposed to see when you scan someone psychically and just think, what do I see? What does happen when I tune into this person and attempt to do any of these things? Maybe you... Go in with the expectation, I'm going to sh- scan the chakras. And then, you know, something else entirely happens that you've never even heard of before. But it's profound, it's useful, it's full of detail, it's something you can do again, you can repeat. Um, awesome. You know, find what you find. Go in with um, an open mind and as few expectations as possible. Maybe you don't see anything. Maybe you hear stuff. Maybe you feel things. Maybe you just know things about this person. And you come away from this attempt to scan with like, you know, I didn't really see anything. But just a kind of field of red. But while I was there, it came to me that this person is experiencing XYZ. Now, as the client moves closer to you within the mind's eye, in the astral space where you're meeting with them you see different levels of detail. You see more detail. Um, Close up is where you would naturally, in the real world, be able to have a conversation with this person. You might say hello and get a smile or whatever um, from a little bit of a distance, but you wait until that person is close enough that you can have um, a comfortable conversation without shouting. That distance... Astrally, metaphorically, in you know the mind's eye, is still comparable. It's a place of closeness to that other person's energy, where you might experience telepathic communication. Their guides may be um, relatively attached to them energetically. They may be close together, so it's almost like you're waiting for someone with a small posse. To approach, and then you are able to um pick up more detail about those guides as well. one of those guides may step forward and speak on behalf of everyone, including your client um They're just not gonna shout across the room necessarily, you know, unless there' was like some kind of danger or someone um that you were close to already projected you know sent one of their guides to you with some message of urgency or whatever, but I still think it's more likely in those kind of situations for you to experience just an urgent flash of whoever that person is yourself. I I can't think of a circumstance where someone that I'm really close to would send me a guide as if it's like a dog, go Lassie, get help, you know, that kind of thing. I guess it can happen. I don't know. There's so many different stories and dramas that can play out, as many as you can probably think up. But here I am, kind of come to the end of this concept that I have about scanning and sort of the open-ended approach that will allow you to have more experiences and have the experiences you're meant to have. And having shared all these little metaphors in the way that I see it, I want to stress that this is just the way I perceive it. I might guide you to open up, to soften, to gather a little bit more, to make your net a little wider. But at the end of the day, you may experience something entirely different from me. And my wish is that by sharing my perceptions, you can compare them to your own. You can demystify the whole thing and be like, what? Do psychics see when they're like scanning someone and realize, like, oh, you know, I have similar kinds of experiences play out in my imagination, in my mind's eye, in my body. I want you to be able to know your own way of perceiving this more clearly in the ways that it overlaps with mine, and also, more importantly, in the way that it differs. That's how you separate, oh, this is my way from everyone else's and even with my perception it's important that you don't create an expectation of what you think you're supposed to see when you're scanning someone what do you see what's your perception what's your movie what's your symbolism what's your personal vocabulary what story would you tell someone about the way you perceive things It's no different than trying to describe a dream that you had to someone. Sometimes it defies logic and the words fail you. But even in an attempt to explain it to someone else is often where I become aware of how I do it. So maybe a good exercise for you would be to go and attempt to scan someone get a volunteer and not only do the exercise of trying to perceive them at a distance in your mind's eye however that might work out for you um but also after the fact explain that process to someone as if you were going to write them to an email and say this is how I did it and this is what it was like i think that there's great power in describing these things conceptually to other people. I know that that is a huge part of how my practice has developed over the years and my quote-unquote abilities to do this stuff um, have expanded with supporting others in doing it. If you'd like to experience this kind of training and this kind of coaching In a more customized manner, that is what the Automatic Intuition Mentoring Program is for. We can talk about it less in hypothetical terms and more in the specifics of your gifts and also what you have already worked with and experienced. Um, We can tweak those abilities, modify them. Sometimes I have noticed with people who already work with specific techniques and modalities that... Sometimes it's the order in which they're doing things that needs to be tweaked a little bit and suddenly everything flows differently. Um, It's very rare that I will come in with a bolt out of the blue and ask you to do something so far outside your perception. Usually it's more of a rearranging or a focusing or a dialing in that happens that creates a breakthrough or an epiphany somewhere else that you can get more specific coaching around the idea of training. um, I have on my shop page, if you go to sladerobertson.com slash shop, you will find a tutorial called How to Read Auras. And it is an excerpted mini training from the larger automatic intuition program. So you can have a little bit of a taste of how I teach that technique, the technique that I'm using. And if you're just interested at this point in practicing some scanning, that might be a great entry point for you to try. Thanks again for listening to the Shift Your Spirits podcast. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever app you prefer. For show notes, links, transcripts, and all the past episodes, please visit ShiftYourSpirits.com. You can also download a free ebook and a meditation to help you connect with your guides. If you'd like to get an intuitive reading with me or with one of our featured practitioners, please go to SladeRobertson.com slash readings. And if you're interested in my professional intuitive training program, you can start the course for free by downloading the attunement at automaticintuition.com. Before I go, I promise to leave you a message, and answer to a question or a concern you may have. So take a moment to think about that, hold it in your mind or speak it out loud. I'll pause for just a few seconds right now. Strong intentions and full force follow through on your passion project is awesome. Just be careful you're not cutting corners or rushing the process in a way that will have a long term effect. Keep an eye on the quality of your creations and don't forget the joy of the process. And I'll talk to you later.